Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like the MLB Rules Commission, is bad at their jobs. My <laughs> name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everyone. And this week, we are going to be talking about the Cardinals' rotation, some unlikely offensive heroes. We're going to talk about some of the recent roster movement, and we're going to discuss the aforementioned rules changes. If you have an idea for the opening joke, tweet us at Talk About Birds. All right, we have a lot to talk about this. Yeah, uh, this episode. Yeah, um, I'm going to say it's a hot app. It's a hot app. It's a hot app. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to derail. You're, okay. I can tell you're spinning in your chair. Yeah, but you're also leaning back, keeping it real <laughs> relaxed. It's as hot as I can. <laughs> Luke, yeah, um, but. Before we get to baseball, yeah. I, you know, we've we've mentioned it a little bit on this show, um, but not a lot. Uh, but in three days, yeah, Ben is getting married. Yeah. How how yeah. you feeling? Uh, I, I think I feel pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot. I think we were kind of just talking about this before we started recording. It's like not only did I decide to, uh, you know, do my wedding in Colorado, which is obviously where I live, but where it's, you know, it's an out of town wedding for probably 60 to 70% of the, everyone coming. Um, I decided yeah. not only to do it, you know, in Colorado, but actually in a place that's pretty hard to get to, um, <laughs> and relatively remote. Um, so I think a little stressed about like, all of the people coming from all over the country to get to the right place at the right time. But other than that, mm -hmm. I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, generally pretty good. Like, you yeah, know, I, my suits currently getting pressed, uh, you know, little, little things like that are, are the machinations are happening. And, uh, mm -hmm. I think my brother just hopped on a plane. Who's my best man. He'll, he'll be here momentarily. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I'm feeling okay. Um, it, we had the, yeah. the good idea of going to, we're going to see, go, uh, go to a Red Rock show tonight, uh, to see Wilco. Um, so that's kind of like our kickoff celebratory. Let's get this weekend going. So I'm feeling really good about that. And nice. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think like you can probably hear it in my voice a little bit. There's a lot going on, but we're, we're, yeah. we're we got it going. Well, I think it's pretty remarkable because, you know, you met this woman, what, like three months ago and you've managed <laughs> to put all of this together. <laughs> yeah, my uh, I was in a, a work meeting with our entire department the other day and uh, they kind of went around the table making fun of me for waiting nine years um, <laughs> to make this happen. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. You can uh, feel free to pour yeah. it on. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, you know, it makes sense. You had yeah. to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's more. I think it's more. She had to make sure. Let's be real here. I think you had yeah. your decision. You know, a long well, time also, ago. Also, you know, you you move through life so flippantly that you know you you just right. kind of stumbled into your uh, your uh, your nuptials. So you know, I I'm thoughtful, pragmatic. Yeah. I take the John Mosaic approach to things where you know trust the process and let it work out. Mm -hmm. I waited a reasonable, normal six years. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> We're both a couple of losers. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but no, I'm excited. I'll be in town tomorrow. Love coming out to Denver. And I've not been to the part of Colorado that the wedding is at. Um, so I'm excited. We've Gonna got to drive a, over Berthoud Pass, head on down into Hooey, head up, um, up to Frazier, Granby, maybe. Go mm-hmm. look at the lake. Let's go ahead and put the exact location of your wedding here on the uh on the podcast <laughs> um i uh we we've got a house a bunch of us that are coming out we've got a house together so it should be should be a lot of fun and yeah, um, that house might yeah. not make it through the weekend we'll see what happens yeah the al- altitude uh com- combined with an open bar is really my chief concern of the weekend the wedding venue has in, uh, asked that we inform the guests that uh, they drink water um, because I guess they've had some <laughs> bad experiences. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, smart. Big smart. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll, assuming we all survive, we'll, we'll, uh, this podcast actually scheduling lined up well for us for this yeah. purpose. So uh, thanks for, you know. Your wedding week, we're, that's how committed we are to this wow. to this dumb show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never missing up. Uh, yep, never missing up. Um, well, there may be a, uh, an even bigger milestone over this weekend, though unlikely, but maybe. Pujols. So, yeah, can I, I want to uh, interrupt really quick. So I, yeah. I need to note that we're getting married on Saturday. There's a doubleheader. Yeah the Cardinals doubleheader on Saturday. And Mary said the only situation that I can watch baseball. And I would like to, to say, I agree with this. I'm not like, I am not being restricted um, is if Pujols is on the verge of 700. Um, So I'm hopeful that it actually does not happen that quickly because that would be a (laughs) lot of home runs in a short amount of time. But the fact that it is a doubleheader against a relatively bad team has me like there's a, there's, it's a non-zero chance. Um, Yeah. But, I'm I'm going to be relying upon, upon others, probably primarily you, to kind of keep me in the loop of what's mm-hmm. going on there. And I'm hoping that Pujols is gracious enough to not uh, <laughs> do 700 on Saturday. But he's close. Well, he's close. You know, um, so I have a job in this wedding, although I still don't really know what it is that I'm doing. I'm going to find that out on Friday. But um, I think it's going to rely. I, I, I think I'm going to made it as a- simple for you <laughs> as possible. I was actually working on it this morning, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think, though, there may be like a microphone in my vicinity while performing this job. So um, besides all of the shenanigans <laughs> I have planned, uh, I'm going to ruin your wedding. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, I'm also don't worry. I will live broadcast. Uh, you know, here's the pitch. <laughs> Ooh, just a bit outside. <laughs> uh, you'll get stabbed in 38 seconds, but you should try Mar- that. Mar- Mary would devour me. Yeah, I think she'd unhinge her jaw and just swallow yeah. me whole. And then um, that would be that. It'd be, be worth it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we wanted to talk about uh, Pujols. You know, uh, almost, well, almost arguably the bigger milestone, I would say, moving into fourth all time. I, I was just going to say that. I think that that, like, you know, our brains like these big fat round numbers and 700 is obviously a very big and very fat and very round number. And that would be mm-hmm. extremely impressive for him to get to there. But I agree. I think the the celebratory or, or the thing that we should all be excited about is him passing A-Rod because that's that's right. in stone. You know, A-Rod's not hitting any more home runs. He is he yeah. is a top four home run hitter in baseball all time. Um, 
and whether that number's 500, 1,000, 700, whatever it is, he has done, you know, compared to his peers uh, over yeah. 120 plus years, um, he is he has earned that. So I, I totally agree with you. I think that has way more value. Um, and, and what was funny is when I was doing a little research for the show this morning is that MLB is treating the big round number kind of, I think, like everyone else's. And they're going to start once he gets to that number, they're going to start like RFIDing or somehow there's they're somehow marking these balls that will be thrown specifically to Pujols so that when it does go to the stands, they know which ball it is. Because I assume that baseball is going to be worth a lot of money, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, would I don't know so. what the exact plan or maybe just go straight to Cooperstown. Well, I think it'll be handled like most uh, important home run balls, which is if like the stadium gets it, you know, like maybe it goes into the batter's eye or, or into one of the wells, you know, into the bullpens or whatever. It's just going to go up, go to pool holes and he'll get to decide. I bet Cooperstown will request it and it'll be up to him. Um, but if it goes into the stands and someone catches it, I mean, it's their so, ball, right? So if you're catching that ball, if you catch 700, uh, which we all know you're physically incapable of, but let's God, say you yeah. do. <laughs> uh, what to, do you do? You have to hit me so hard in the chest that it actually digs into my sternum <laughs> and it, it like I go to the hospital and they surgically remove the ball from me. I think that's the only way I'm, I'm catching one of those. Um, you, you really earn it in that scenario. Yeah. Um, I've thought about this and this is tricky. Um, you know, generally speaking, I've always been of the mind that if I caught an historic home run ball, I would probably be more of a mind to sell it uh, yeah. than uh, give it like, than ask for like a signed bat or whatever, just because like, you know, I, I, I think, or at least I, it's hard for me to say. I, what I will say is that I never fault the, the fan for selling it because like sure. some of these things are life changing money, you know, and that player can buy that ball if they really want it. Right. Um, they have more money than anyone. So sure. Um, if I caught Pujols is 700 though, I'd be inclined to give it to him. Um, but I would be asking for everything i'm talking yeah. i want season tickets for a while like like good ones too you know like i want to get my money's worth if i'm not gonna sell this thing for like 200 grand or whatever like wow. insane amount of money i could probably get for it which i still maybe would do because of that amount of money i i'm looking for some real real cash return on this thing i don't know what you're saying maybe okay. i'm selfish in that regard but like I don't know. Pools has a half a billion dollars and he also could just buy it from me for that too. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. What, what would you do? Yeah. You know, I guess after hearing you kind of explain it that way and I, I money is good and everything like that. Like I, I, I hear where you're coming from. I just, that is, it's just not, what, how I, I think I would handle it. I think I would broker yeah. a meeting with Mr. Pujols, maybe uh, Yachty, Wayno, whoever I could rope into that situation. I'd like some signed cleats, bat, I don't know, something like that, something I could put in my little office down here and and maybe tell a story on the podcast about. And that would probably <laughs> be where it started and stopped. Um, I, I guess I also, like, you're making it sound like, and 
I mean, not that money doesn't matter to me or anything like that. Like, you know, anyone could use tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to give that up. And you're right. Pujols has enough money that why don't you just buy it from me, pal? Um, but no, I think like, you know, I'm a, I'm the big softy romantic, especially when it comes to stuff like this, I would just be like, yeah, I just want to meet him and get a photo. And like, I don't know, maybe check out the clubhouse or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe I don't I wanna... have a standing reservation at Pujols five every time I come in town, something like go. that. I I don't want to sound like an asshole here, but you know, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Barry Bonds's seven hundredth home run, yeah, uh, sold for eighty five thousand dollars in two thousand five. So okay. uh, I I suspect that if the Pujols one went on the market, you'd be looking somewhere around double that with yeah with just the rise of prices and everything and and well a baseball memorabilia is so high right now in itself i I think yeah you could very very confidently say uh six figures and and then how high into that i don't know yeah okay so i mean i mean money is good hey i could finally quit this stupid podcast (laughs) (laughs) this is our chief source of income um Maybe if there was something where, you know, we could get Pujols to say, like, talking about birds is my is the number one best uh, Cardinal podcast. Oh, you know, a plug. Get him that a, would be huge. Get, a, get him on a, as a brand ambassador. Yeah. Um, you know, something like that, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's really hard to think of what I would do in the moment. You know, my my cold lizard brain away from the situation is like sell that shit for a quarter million dollars and change yeah. my life fundamentally um versus like you know some sweet picks with some dudes that i like yeah um yeah but if i'm not gonna do that i would want some you know return that like you know i i'm not a i don't really care that much about like pictures with players and stuff like that but if i could get you know some some no, choice I- seats forever <laughs> Yeah, and, and maybe because I don't live in St. Louis, like that. May, maybe I, maybe I'd move back and, and get my nice seats. But yeah. I, can, I can really imagine like an Albert Pujols game use sign bat right above my uh, kind of uh, yeah. in front of my office area here, and how how dope that would be. Um, but yeah, no, you're wanna, probably want, right. You're, I want you're, one inning in right field as, uh, <laughs> as the start as a starting member of the St. Yeah. Louis Cardinals. I, I, you're craving capitalistic uh, mindset is probably the appropriate one, and I, I hate you yeah. for it. Well, um, I looked at uh, tickets for the weekend, the last weekend series. Uh, I was curious to see what those seats like where, you know, if you were to like, you know, stat cast, like where's the most likely place for Pujols to hit 700 if it's at home, you know, you're looking sort of in the left field bleachers sort of area, the um, the front row, the first couple rows of bleacher seats in the left field right now are going for somewhere around 450 to 600 dollars a ticket. Ooh. And I think I think part of that is this like equation of if I'm there and it comes at me like, you know, there you go. Change your life a little uh, bit, cause, yeah. Cuz tickets like four or five rows back from that are like, you know, 50 60 bucks, like expensive sure. for those seats but not you know yeah hundreds not five six hundred dollars so um there are people definitely you know thinking about that sure huh yeah but like you know i'm not even going let alone would ever be capable of catching it um yeah i mean i think like 
that there's there's got to be a brand of person who like follows these type of things and buys sections that they think are home run likely yeah. and then well, like when those balls are hit they are going for those balls not just like yeah. oh i hope it comes to me they are going for those kinds of balls there's that dude that asshole that like yeah we shouldn't uh, give him any airtime that guy sucks yeah youtuber Hun- dude that yeah yeah he's yeah caught oh, the hundreds. most caught balls yeah yeah and there's all those all that footage of him like standing stepping in front of children to yes. to grab the ball and whatnot. So he yeah, I bet sucks. that guy is tracking down. Uh, oh, yeah. It, you know, on the flip side, on a positive story, I'm sure you saw the the nice little press around the per- people who caught 697, which we think is bigger than 700. Yeah, um, though, maybe not on the market. Um, they met. They wanted to meet pools to give it to him. And he said, no, keep it, which is yeah. uh, really nice. So maybe there'd be a happy medium here where I go, I catch it. I say, Pujols, I want to give this to you. And he says, no, keep it. And I'm like, tight. All right. Auction 200 grand. (laughs) I'm guessing that Pujols would get one look at you and be like, give me that ball. Give me that. We just take it from you. Yeah. I try to run. Yeah. You, uh, you might be able to, you you run a decent amount. You might be able to run Pujols. May yeah the the he hasn't he he can barely walk so hopefully <laughs> but I don't know he's also an elite athlete so even yeah. like a broken elite athlete is uh you yeah know, probably better than most of us um all right well let's move on uh but you know really excited for even the chant the fact that he's almost two seven hundred which if you pull back from the uh the milestone piece of this whole thing. The fact that uh, hitting 20 to 21 home runs is the outcome that we might be getting from this pool signing is pretty ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. He is, he's got a WRC plus around or an OPS plus actually around like 140 and he's got 18 home runs. He's getting on base. He's not striking out a ton. It is. I can't believe it. Well, they're using him well, although that yeah. uh, that last home run was off a righty. Um, so he's he, been hitting he righties. Him, yeah, he, he gets them every once in a while. So he does. Uh, they're using him well and uh, keeping him rested. And, you know, I think we've been a fan of Ali Marmol. We talked a lot about him a couple episodes ago, and I think uh, this is another example of it. Just using the guys uh, in the what right you- way. We, we should move on, but I could talk about pools all day really quick. What do you think about there's like a, a mini narrative going around that's that's positing the idea if 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 uh, Albert was in uh, uh, managed by Ali Marmol for the past decade, he'd be we'd be talking about 800 home runs. Do you think there's anything behind that? Do you think this is just magic? Um, That's an interesting question. I mean. Like if you're another way to ask that question is, do you think that the angels wildly mismanaged uh, Albert pools? Um, then yes, I do. And so I, that's, a, I think that that's a, a, that's a much easier thing to answer than yeah. the other side of that question is that, yeah, I do. I do think the angels are stupid and a, a generally poorly ran organization. Yeah. Well, he was good with the Dodgers immediately and then he's mm-hmm. been good with us. Um, so you know, 800, I don't know. Would he hit a hundred more home runs over his, uh, 10 years with the angels? I, that's hard to say, but, um, yeah. cause he's still that like the one, the reason he's getting to 700 now is like the one thing he did with the angels was still hit home runs. So 
I, I mean, he would have had to have a couple more 40 home run seasons, a few more third, like that's pretty lofty, but 750 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You, you like, I guess that's really, you know, especially by based on the kind of thing that we we're talking about earlier, it's like, would he more importantly, less, less importantly than 800, more importantly, be getting close to Mr. Bonds, which would be, yeah. you know, being, being the I think king that's, would be more important than anything else. Yeah, that is, I think maybe, yeah, especially yeah. those last, those middle last few years with the angels where like they were just running him out there every day, all day. And he clearly was not handling yeah. it well, you know, um, cause that's what we're seeing with the Dodgers and with the Cardinals is this like minimized specific usage, um, makes his at bats effective. Yeah. And when they were just running him into the ground, if he had maybe had those last few years with the angels being used like this, he's hitting 20, 25 a year over there. I don't know. You know, yeah, we, we maybe get there. I know. Something to think about that we will never know the answer to, but yeah, interesting nonetheless. I'll run a few uh, 2023 MLB The Show simulations. You know, we'll, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, you're gonna yeah. open up the hood and, and get this. Yeah, yeah, gonna... yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> God, you you reacted so negatively to that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay never mind i guess <laughs> no do that it's a good use of your yeah. time yeah all right actually bail um, on the wedding focus on that we'll talk about it next week i'll come back with the numbers yep i'll come yep. back with the numbers <laughs> uh, <laughs> yikes all right let's talk about something else um yeah. we've got so we wanted to talk a little bit uh about uh quintana He's been he's he's continuing a kind of an understated run with the Cardinals. You know, I think Montgomery is getting a lot of the focus and that's fair. But, uh, you know, I think you really wanted to point out some some stuff about Quintana. Well, yeah, I think like it's mostly the fact that it's just not being talked about as much as I feel that it should be taught being talked about. Like he has come in and been everything plus the Cardinals needed. He is given the Cardinals about 40 innings. I think he's at like seven or eight starts right now. All of it's been under a three ERA, his FIP, all of his other numbers look great. They have ticked up slightly from the, uh, moving from the pirates to the Cardinals. And I think that's park factors. I think that's defense. I think that's a little bit of yachty factor. I think that's right. Probably. I mean, e- even if, uh, baseball players won't say this, I think, you know, playing for a, a team that is absolutely nowhere close to the playoffs to playing, you know, having that little extra adrenaline being in meaningful games. I have to imagine, especially for a guy that's been around as long as Quintana, he can kind of take that energy and bottle it and use it actually in a positive way. And, you know, all those things I, I think have kind of came together to, to make him have a really, really nice little run with the Cardinals. Um, and I just, Really, I wanted. I wanted. I just wanted to make sure that we were talking about it, and I feel like it's just going a little under the radar. Um, and and I, I can let you respond to that, or I can just keep going here. Um, something else that I thought. Uh, well, yeah, you 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 want to talk? Say your thing. No, no, it's fine. Uh, I was gonna say, give me give me some give me some stats here because I yeah. think you have a few or a few details you wanted to throw out. Yeah, well, 
when we first acquired him, I, I mean, you t- chatted about, okay, it's the changeup. He's been pumping changeup. Jer- uh, Derek Shelton's uh, pitching coach, whose name I can't remember right now, said, we like your changeup. Why don't you throw your best pitch more? He started doing that. He talked about to fan graphs. He talked about it with uh, Jimmy Hayes uh, when he came over to the Cardinals that he feels really good about that changeup. And funny enough, he has actually reduced throwing his changeup. Um, he's cut it basically in half and then he has doubled his sinker usage, uh, since joining the Cardinals. And I think like, it's kind of funny. We're going to talk about this with Jordan Montgomery as well, but it is funny. And and I wonder if this is a Yachty effect. I wonder if this is again, the park factor, the Cardinals defense, whatever it is, but the Cardinals are just so dead set on the sinker approach. Obviously it's working. And you can also assume that, you know, if you're pumping sinkers, that plays up your other pitches as well, because people have to be worried about, you know, driving that ball into the ground. But I I guess really what I'm trying to say is it's funny. It seemed like Quintana unlocked something uh, by changing up his pitch mix. And then we get him and say, oh, that's pretty good. But I think you should actually do this and change it again. And he's even better. Um, Yeah. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But I found that to be a little fascinating. I expected the the change up when I went to look at this data, the change up to be even more featured or, or, or something like that. But when you actually break it down, like I said, not the case. Well, there's something to be said for, you know, even though you're using it less, it kind of makes it more effective because they can't see it as much. Um, so, you know, you're, you still think he's going to throw it a lot. You're expecting it more, but you just keep pounding that sinker. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and yeah, just, the, the Cardinals sinker first approach is just always going to make sense as long as they have the infield defense that they have. And so uh, if you can throw an effective sinker and mix it up with a very effective changeup, that certainly seems like a recipe for success with this team. Yeah. And I think like, you know, we're, we're kind of t- pot, like trying to figure out who's going to be in the playoff rotation. And even though I wanted to talk about this, I still don't know if he's cracking that or, but he's an effect like he he will be on the roster. What his form mm-hmm. and shape will be, I don't know exactly. Maybe he's coming out of the bullpen and he's he's getting bulk innings or something like that or, or just throwing him for one. But it just needs to be noted. He's been really, really good all year. He's took taken a step up joining the Cardinals. It's it's happening. It's real. You can yeah. you can believe it. You can tweet about it. You can celebrate it maybe a little bit more <laughs> than we have been. If I had to if I was predicting, I think there's a good chance that the Cardinals rotation for the playoffs is going to be, I don't know what order, but Flaherty, Wainwright, and Montgomery. Yeah. Um, the, the wild card in there to me is Flaherty. Yeah. Um, well, I all like, I'm not going to totally, you know, uh, Wayno and Michaelis have kind of not been great very, very recently. Yeah. Um, I, I still have faith in them, and I think the Cardinals do too. And, you know, we're talking on today where Wayno's going to have another start, which is going to be a big, emotional, interesting start. So, um, you know, hopefully he kind of bounces back today a little and, and we see what that's like. But yeah, I think that that, I mean, that's probably who I would throw out there right now. I would, and if I had to say, I would probably put Monty number one. Um, I know yeah. he just got blown up, but. Everything he's been doing that, since he's been on the yeah. team, I think he'd be my number one right now. Yeah. And start out with that lefty look. Um, 
Yeah, I think that'd be fair. And I, I agree with you. I mean, that's why Michaelis, if we had done this two months ago, Michaelis would maybe be your number one, but he and Wayno have struggled. And I just suspect that uh, I don't know how bad Wayno would have to be for them to drop him off the starting rotation in the playoff series. But I don't think he's there yet. I think, yeah, that, you know, well, the, maybe they're capable of making that cold decision if he continues to struggle for another for the rest of the month and Flaherty or Quintana like keep up what they're doing and or Flaherty like turns back into the ace yeah, and yeah. Quintana keeps doing what he's doing like they might be able to make that decision but I just I find it hard to believe. Uh, yeah, and I think you nailed it on the head. It, it would have to be three or four more starts of of poor performance before they even start actually yeah. entertaining that. Because I think there is there is real value, whether we can understand it or not, that Ali Marmal and Mosellock and the team will look at as Wayno's been there, done that in a big playoff yeah. situation, and just that will kind of kind of shoots him up that ladder as far as starting those games. Um, Knowing so, how yeah, these I think things right. go and. Yeah, and, and knowing how these things go and how Wayno reacts, I think the only way Wayno's not in that starting rotation is if he's the first one who says, don't put me in there. You know, yeah. um, it would be something where he's the one ahead of the news cycle saying, I'm I'm pulling myself because I've not been. I don't have my stuff like right now. Yeah, yeah. whatever that yeah. looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's talk about uh, Montgomery a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, everyone loves when you talk about a different podcast on a podcast, right? That's oh, that's yeah. exciting. Did you listen to the episode of R two C two with C uh, with C C Sabathia? Uh, he's on it every week um, with Jordan Montgomery. No, I did not. Okay, so are you familiar with the podcast? It's it's yes. C C Sabathia and Ryan Rucco, and uh, you know they they talk to baseball players and. Uh, yeah. I am a massive, massive CC Sabathia fan. I think he is not only a awesome Hall of Fame pitcher, but just like a cool dude and super yeah, down to yeah. earth and and just funny. And I think he's great. Um, so you know they've been wanting to have Montgomery on for a while. Uh, him and CC Sabathia are like are pretty tight. You know, obviously they pitched together uh, the, the Yankees, Yankees towards the end of CC yeah. Sabathia's career. Uh, both massive lefties. Uh, I think they have a lot in common. Like they're. <laughs> probably probably height and weight cc's probably got him on weight cc's gotta be bigger yeah cc they are both they're both big but cc was very uh, large boys he was chonky. Yeah. he was chonky <laughs> yeah yeah um so you know they have a good rapport and everything like that and they were just talking about Monty's move and how he's looked and i thought it was pretty fascinating um a couple of things that i just wanted to bring up that i, I think are worth kind of just just picking at a little bit is uh, Monty was talking about how the Yankees are like highly, highly dictate the pitches that they ask their pitchers to throw. Like they they rate your pitches. They say this is how often you should be throwing them. And Montgomery, if you look at his pitching spray chart, he was just not throwing his four seam fastball and he was not throwing it inside at all. Not sometimes he just wasn't doing it. Um, and something that Montgomery talked about is. He uh, he came into the clubhouse and immediately he sets his bag down and then Mad Dog goes and grabs and brings him into his office and they start talking about this kind of data. And he's like, why aren't you pitching to the side of the plate? Why aren't you throwing this pitch? Why aren't you doing this? And they completely changed his repertoire. And we've seen, you know, obviously it's a short sample size. I think he has 40 something innings, just a little bit more, few more innings than um, Quintana has. Um 
but it's been really great. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's basically cut his numbers, his uh, his ERA in half. His uh, his FIP is down. I mean, everything is going really well. And I know, you know, like I, I think this or I guess I want to talk about a wider conversation really quick. And it's the idea like the prevailing idea for like the stat heads is that you throw your best pitch more often. Right. And right. I think, of course, that makes a lot of sense. Lance McCullers Jr. is like the poster child of that. You pump that curveball a thousand times a game. People can't hit it. Great job. Even Wayno has leaned into that a little bit as his career is aged. But just like we were talking about with Quintana, there is something, you know, if you throw your curveball and change up over and over again, people are going to start to see what that pitch is. And you're not, they're not really staying honest in the batter's box and they're just waiting for a cookie looking or for exactly that and letting the yeah. counts build up until you get knocked out of the game. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess it's just very interesting. Like you, you think of the Yankees as one of the most advanced analytical teams in baseball. And then we've had two pitchers come to St. Louis and immediately get better because of pitch mix and basically because of mad dog. Um, and yeah. I, I'm not sure we really talk about that. Yeah, I, I think it's we we begin to assume like with the access of information everywhere and you have, you know, just entire companies that are focused around providing this information just to like the general public, you know, StatCast and, and what Fangraphs is doing, Baseball Savant, all of these. You kind of assume that like. Well, everything's out there and everyone has access to everything and it's just about execution at this point and it's less about um you know uh like data mining but right it's clearly not the case there is still um you know different uh people are able to take that data and interpret it in very different ways and that is making the difference for some of these guys um you know why haven't the Yankees figured out what mad dog figured out. Maybe they did. And they just thought, no, there's no way that is will work. And Maddox is the only one who's like, no, let's give it a shot. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting part of how the game has continued to develop. And the, the competitive edge is still there, even with this extreme access to everything. Right. Um, uh, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Jordan Montgomery and CC Sabathia are both six, six. So you got that. You're right. Okay. They're the same, yep. right? Um, but uh, Jordan Montgomery is at least listed at 228 pounds. Uh, and that feels light. CC Sabathia listed at 300. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. A couple of months. You know, but yeah. CC's got him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a credit to Maddox, you know, and, and although it, it's this weird thing where we were talking not too long about also how like the Cardinals seem, incapable of developing an ace but they yeah. seem incredibly capable at taking mid-range guys and making them slightly above mid-range right you know uh, which is valuable obviously uh the the whole rotation for years has basically been that uh but like what where's the gap where why you know is it the drafting department and we're just not finding the guys that are capable of becoming that I don't know. You know, every yeah. every future ace collapses on the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, uh, just thinking about that, like 30,000 foot view really quick, like maybe that, that was like an effect from Lunau. Like Lunau 
um, came in and drafted really good position players for a long time, went to Houston, did the same thing, um, and only recently have the Astros kind of turned around their pitching development. Now they're, other than Verlander, basically their whole pitching staff is homegrown and a couple of yeah. impact relievers. Maybe that was part of Lunau's strategy and we're, we're still feeling waves from that. I, I'm, I'm kind of shooting from the hip there. I don't actually know, but yeah. I don't know. It's fun to blame him for something. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's been several uh, years, you know, since since that, but it could be. Yeah. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting from the conversation, um, it, well, first off, they were, they, they, uh, CC, like I said, him and Jordan Montgomery know each other pretty well. And CC was talking about how loose and, uh, comfortable Jordan Montgomery felt after, you know, going from the Yankees to St. Louis. And I think that that's probably not super surprising. Like we all know St. Louis really, you know, wraps a big fan hug around everyone who's mm-hmm. here and, you know. You can be Giancarlo Stanton and get booed in Yankee Stadium if you have a bad week or so. Right. Um, even though you're one of the best power hitters of all time. Um, so that's that wasn't super surprising to me. Um, but what I thought was cool and, and something that we've kind of been teasing at, you know, sign this dude, is that he alluded to the fact in not so many words that the Cardinals might be interested in retaining him. Um, he was he was kind of talking along the yeah. lines of, man, it's really nice to be wanted. You know, this team went out and traded for me. As soon as I got here, they had this plan for me. Uh, Yachty and Wayno have been so welcoming. And hey, who knows? Uh, you know, he's, he said something to the effect of who knows they might want to keep me here for the long term. Um, and I'm going to just take that little splice of that conversation and run with it. I'm going to say, Mo, let's go do it. I yeah, I, I think this has been such a great trade. Um, I, I want him to stick around. I'm, I'm a big up. fan. Lock him up. Yep. Um, why? Yeah. I mean, it's not like we have some crazy uh, deep rotation pieces knocking at the door to get into the rotation. You know, the, the rotation has been in shambles for years. This guy comes in, seems great. I, it, it seems like a no brainer. And it, the sooner you do it, the cheaper it's going to get. Cause if he has another year, a full year like this next year in the Cardinals, I mean, he suddenly becomes an incredibly valuable free agent. So, uh, it seems like you should just go for it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea of, you know, especially obviously Wayno's this might be his last year. Next year might be his last year. Whenever that's going to happen, Michaelis is getting older. I kind of like not that Montgomery is like particularly young, but I kind of like the idea of handing it down He's to another, yeah. you know, guy that's a, a massive. You know, he he just looks like a big Cardinal starter, and I he just fits the part. Um, yeah, I, I know that's a really great analysis there, but. Uh, <laughs> He looked good. Um, <laughs> yeah, you say uh, he's more comfortable here. And of course, I think there's all the like uh, outside of New York stuff. But I mean, also, it's just considerably more comfortable to pitch in Bush Stadium instead yeah. of Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's like a little league uh, park over there. And we've got one of the most pitcher friendly parks in the league. Yeah. So uh, and, and I have to imagine if you're pitching in Yankee Stadium, if you're pitching in a uh, great American ballpark or something like that, I bet there is something in your head where you're like, oh, God, I cannot make a mistake because it's going over the wall. In St. Yeah. Louis, you can make a mistake here and there. They really got to tag it to get it out. Yeah. Um, well, let's go into uh, let's move on a little bit. Um, I think we could talk about all this stuff all day, but um, there's uh, there's been a little bit of hand wringing lately about the offense as some guys, some of like as uh, Goldie and Arenado, you know, sort of dip out of, you know, superstar offensive MVP caliber and 
are having just standard above average a uh, couple yeah. weeks rather than you know lights out best players in baseball um but i mean when you're when almost your entire offense revolves around those two guys it you're going to see a step down if they are both not clicking at the same time like we had in august um personally i'm not worried uh it's just the ebbs and flows of the season and i uh, we just have to hope like any playoff team does is that your guys get hot at the right time um but what we have been seeing while they've been again not like terribly bad but they haven't been their lights out self uh we've seen some other guys really stepping up and uh that's kind of what we wanted to talk about here um first of all i yeah. think we got to start with uh i mean suddenly back to putting together one of the better seasons in recent <laughs> cardinal history uh tommy edmund you know over 6 war now on the season like it's been one of the wildest seasons I can remember an individual player having, but yeah, he is, I mean, he's just a step below whatever metric you want to look at, uh, of the two best players, Goldie and Nolan Arenado. And he is hot, hot, hot right now. Um, and you know, obviously that gold glove defense is short and second carries that a lot, but he has a 238 WRC plus in September. I know, you know, we're only halfway through September, but those are big boy numbers right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I mean, again, like a six war season, we have not had many of those as no. hard. Uh, it's cra- It's wild that we have three right now, you know, and it's definitely overshadowing it and his deep, deep slumps <laughs> that really color your overall picture of his season. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, if you're putting up six war, like that is, uh, that's usually MVP vote season, you yeah. know, um, we'll see yeah, if he I mean, gets he's, that. He's, you know, within shouting distance of 15 home runs, he's one away from 30 stolen bases. Um, you know, everything, you know, I talked about the defensive flexibility and the, and the prowess. Not, it's not like he's just filling in at those spots. He's very, very, very good. Um, particularly yeah. at second base. Um, they just announced the new, uh, super utility gold glove, which, uh, Cardinal fans know that. Are, yeah, yeah. So it was just announced, I think, yesterday. Um, Rawlings has announced they're calling it Super Utility. It's a gold glove for that position. And I've seen Cardinal fans referring to it as the Tommy Edmund Award. And I, mean, I that, think it's obvious. I think it's yeah. a good call. I, I I think it's great. Like that position is becoming more and more important and, uh, you know, getting more and more um, sort of sunlight. So I think it's great. Um, but there's another guy that, you know, maybe not as defensive uh maybe not as high end defensively as Edmund, but uh, still gives you that insane versatile versatility. Who's also having a good season. Uh, Brendan Donovan. He, it, it's, uh, it's, it's almost like, I, I almost put this in the same category as like Jose Quintana's performance. It's like, it's almost become a little ho-hum, but Brendan Donovan has a close to 400 on base percentage over 400 plate appearances in his rookie season. He's played every position other than catcher and center field. And it's hard to imagine the Cardinals being where they are without him. And he just kind of has shown up and done it and been quiet and been all over the place. It's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. When you've got guys like Arenado, Goldie and O'Neill hitting well, all you need is people to get on base and yeah. you're going to score runs and he does it. You know, the only knock against him is he has virtually no power and yeah. don't really project it to be that way. So when 
you know, if the, if the core of the lineup is struggling, he's not going to provide a much of a, a thump or run scoring. Um, but you know, when the, when the recipe of this team is working, he's incredibly valuable. Yeah. I mean, it, he seems like a shoe in to be the, the kind of leadoff guy for the foreseeable future, right? Like we, we talk about how things like on base percentage, generally something that kind of is uh, accurate quickly. Like usually big league players establish that fairly early. Um, yep. and, and, you know, as we just referenced, he, he slaps the ball a little bit, but mostly he just gets on base. And I, I think exactly what you said. I think the Cardinals are built for one and two to get on base, the three mashers to come up. And, you know, you try that four times a game, five times a game, and hopefully you win. Um, and everything right. else outside of that is is just gravy. And, may, you know, maybe Tommy will get hot. Maybe Yadi will get hot. Maybe Albert will dump one over the wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, dump, dump one. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I it's just kind of wild. Like, I think if it wasn't for those monsters in Atlanta, uh, Spencer Strider and Michael Harris, too, uh, he would probably be getting a little more rookie of the year conversation, but just not happening. You don't hear it called Michael Harris too very often. <laughs> <laughs> that's how whenever I, I see his jersey, that's what I think. So that's, yeah. sorry, Michael Harris, if you don't like I that. like it better. I like it better than the second. Yeah. I like Michael Harris too. Yeah. You've seen the first one. Here's the second. Yeah. Michael Harris too, electric boogaloo. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, and finally uh, we have to acknowledge the Yachty hitting the ball. You know, I, I don't, I can explain this as well as I can explain what Albert Pujols is doing uh, yeah. in the sense that it makes no sense to me. He, the broadcast keeps saying he turned it on. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> what was he doing? I don't. Yeah, I, I guess he has a switch and he had purposely been turning it off for most of the season and now he's turned it on. Um, but I mean, it's funny when that narrative tie li like lines up with the outcome, because even Ali Marmol was like, I'm betting on Yachty in September. You know, I'm betting on Yachty. Yeah, you, you won't ever see me not betting on Yachty. And then, of course, here he is. He's he's playing well again. Um, he's I don't know, maybe two a, months a out. Yeah, oh yeah, two months yeah. off in uh, Puerto Rico watching basketball uh, really energized him. I mean, it, <laughs> I just I, I don't have anything intelligent to say about it because it yeah. just doesn't make any sense to me. But he has a thousand uh, over a thousand OPS in September. Uh, of course, obviously he does. very limited playing, but yeah. hey, we can use that. The, the lineup is lineup is looking pretty deep. Um, you know, especially you, uh, we expect Nolan and, and Goldie, but it's starting to look like an old school AL lineup. All of a sudden, you kind of got got some OBP over there. You got some speed kind of sprinkled in there, and then you got your massive boppers in the middle. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of kind of fun. Yeah, um, and it's just kind of nice again from that narrative standpoint. You know, this season has been kind of a whimper for Yachty, um, yeah. especially when compared to the theatrics of of Pujols. So if he can just end on a high note, uh, I think everyone will have more fun with it. You know, and and what is this for if not that? So uh, I'm I'm excited for him. It's agreed. It's, it, hopefully, a good uh, you know high impact ending to his to his career. Maybe a championship. Maybe a championship, secure that Hall of Fame. Not yeah. that I think it's really in doubt anymore. 
Um, no, no, I think it was like ever. seven years ago when the popular narrative was will Yachty be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, so yeah. I think uh, I think he's he's pretty much made it at this point. So, um, all right. So we've got a few more things to talk about uh, before we wrap up. Uh, but before we do, we want to, as always, remind you that this show is supported on Patreon. If you enjoy the show. If you've been uh, riding the roller coaster with us this year and and really want to show your support as we near the end of the season, uh, consider subscribing. Patreon.com slash talking about birds. Subscribers at every level get access to our private Discord server. It's called the Bird Scored. We're having a good time in there. Uh, tweet, come tweet. And join, tweet, tweet, baby. Come in and join other uh, uh, fans, other Cardinal fans. Get away from the noise of your other social media and hang out with us. Talk about the Cardinals with us. It's fun. Uh, you also can, uh, or we would love it if you would take a few minutes of your time to leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. It helps. We haven't had one for a little while, so hey, just look down and click that button. We appreciate it. Um, and yeah, Ben, where can people find us online otherwise? Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter at TalkAboutBirds. Again, that's on Twitter at TalkAboutBirds. Follow us on Instagram as well at Talking About Birds. Again, Talking About Birds on Instagram. And per usual, you can email us questions, thoughts, musings, uh, criticisms towards Nate or myself. Uh, questions about Nate's new hairdo. Look at that. Looking really, really nice. Um, I've got some bullshit I have to go to this weekend. And so <laughs> I thought I'd you know, yeah. keep, make, keep it tight. Email all those thoughts at talk to talk about birds at gmail.com. All right. We have a few roster moves to talk about. Uh, mid episode last week, Alec Burleson was called up to much fanfare. Let's uh, we go. Were, yeah. We were really excited about it. Uh, since then, he has a total of 10 plate appearances and one hit. Uh, you know, incredibly small sample size. Yeah. Um, putting up a, a choice negative to WRC plus. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, 10 sporadic at bats. What are you going to do with yeah. that? But what, what's been your uh, first take on this guy? I think it's exactly as advertised. He's a hitter, um, which which I know is, is silly to say, but he is somebody who hits the ball hard, hits the ball where it's pitched. Um, I really like his approach. I, uh, I like that, uh, me and him have similar body types. That makes me feel like <laughs> I could be a major league player someday. Um, you know, when I grow up yeah. and uh, his dad gave a really, really charming interview with, uh, Jimmy, the cat Hayes the other day that made me love, uh, th their whole little family. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's been great. I would obviously love to see him hit a little bit more. Um, sure. But the Corey Dickerson of it all, like Corey Dickerson is still being a very good major league player. Corey Dickerson has been one of the best hitters in baseball since the all-star break. <laughs> I can't answer it. It's just happening. So I'm sorry well, for Alec Burleson, but this is yeah. just how it is right now. Well, I mean, we knew this, like when they, when they signed Corey Dickerson and, you know, he had his ups and downs, which we know are going to happen. Um, you know, we knew this was the Corey Dickerson that we were going to get. So it's to me, this is just everything going according to plan. <laughs> right. And uh, we've all placed large bets on this. We are. We, it is all working yeah. out extremely well. Um, but yeah, I mean, like part of me, you, you know, something that you and I have talked about is, you know, I, I have a certain level of annoyance for 
um, players who are not really likely part of the overall five to 10 year Cardinals plan, taking away at bats from people who are. Um, yeah. And generally, I, I think I have a pretty good argument to make. But like I said, Burleson, you know, is probably that guy. But Corey Dickerson is just playing too well to even really have that conversation right now. So, I, yeah, that, I guess that's really yeah. it. I mean, most teams have that blend. You ideally are mostly staffed by your fundamental players that are going to be a part of your team for a long time. But you need these little plugins and when they work, it's great. And when they don't, they're not on the team for super long, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm excited for the Burleson era to start. I think, uh, it seems like even as good as Dickerson has been playing, like they're, I would be surprised if they pursue another year with him, um, to, because we have all these other guys who, uh, mm. can fill in and we want to see who's going to get that spot. But for now, enjoy it. I mean, I think he's got, he's earned his spot on the lineup and he's, been a big part of the team now yeah and you know it's it's like i think we've kind of made a little fun and and, uh i don't know maybe we we could be better to Corey dickerson in some way um but i what i will say is uh or or something now that we're watching him be the Corey dickerson that uh we all knew he could be as nate mentioned there is something really fun about watching like a proper bad ball hitter a guy who can just Swing the bat, make contact. It might be a foot low in the zone and it drives through the, the infield, uh, for a base hit. That, that is pretty fun. You're like, what, why is he swinging? Why is he swinging? Base hit. All right, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, it, it's, and that's, I think part of why he has this like high variance, you know, he can get 10 hits in a row yeah, and then he can go like a month (laughs) without getting a hit. Right. Um, you know, it's, he's definitely, you know, bad bit reliant and, and, you know, there's a lot of things that have to come together for him to be, for it to work. But when it works, it's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, there were a few, um, movements that happened over the last week. Uh, when the Burleson call up happened, um, we didn't really know why it had happened. Uh, we were just excited about Burleson, but we, you know, found out pretty quickly afterwards that uh, is because Carlson is on the IL, which is a bummer. It maybe explains some of the performance issues he's had leading up yeah. to that IL stint. Uh, we are both huge Carlson fans, so and big believers. So hopefully, this is the time away that he needs uh, to get fully healthy and come back to be the starting center fielder for the playoff run. Because I think you know they yeah. are a better team with him in center field. Uh, agreed. That's definitely the best team. And and the good news is, and apologies if you said this left uh, thumb sprain, he has already resumed baseball activity. So hopefully yeah. it's, it's quick, dirty, and he's, he's right back. And that sort of injury, if it lingered like that can sap your power, your hitting approach. Like oh, I use my so. thumb all the time. Dude, I'm like never not using my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, So the Cardinals, uh, we got back our favorite pitcher, Packy Naughton. Packy Naughton. Um, James Nail went back to the Redbirds. The Oakland Athletics claimed Connor Capel off of waivers. Good luck to him in his future career. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, And then we have word is Dakota Hudson is going to get a start in the majors, um, likely in the doubleheader. So, uh, we, we, maybe you can bring some of that magic that he just had down in the minors. 
We we will watch with great interest. Yep. All right. Let's talk about these rule changes. Um, a lot of this had been foreshadowed. You know, we knew most yeah. of these were going to come. So I think we even talked about some of this, like in one of our earlier episodes. Um, the league has been desperately trying to both speed up the game as well as adjust to the new analytics approach that the game had never really had until the last like 10 years. Um, there's always been analytics in baseball, of course, but the, right. uh, notably the, the extreme shifting to deal with, uh, you know, hitting types and then hitters adjustments to deal with the extreme shit, uh, shitting shifting. So the league <laughs> wants to ba- the league wants to balance the game a little bit increase action and increase the speed. Yeah. That's their intent. Uh, and I think it's a worthy intent. I think we all agree. Like I, you know, I, I generally, I think the game is good as it is, but I can understand the desire to speed up the game on average when there are, when there are consistently four hour games between like two teams that are bad, you're like, how is anyone ever going to get into that? Right? Right. So I get it. And in some, a lot of these, I actually fundamentally agree with, but there's at least one that I'm not super, super pleased about. So I I, um, I think we're probably aligned on that, but yeah, let's, let's go through it. So the first Um, one, let's talk about bigger bases. Yeah. We talked about this one before. Yeah. Um, Generally, I think this is fine. Um, I also had not considered the uh, safety element of bigger bases. Until what I saw that in a recent article, um, yeah. hopefully reduce uh, impacts at every base, but I imagine most notably first base. Um, so I think between that and like the slight increase in stolen bases and likely infield singles and whatnot that you'll get out of the game, like it's fine. I don't think it's, yeah. I don't like this is the stuff that baseball's always played with the the height of the mound, the right. distance between this and that, you know, like it's and, fine. And I kind of look at it as like, you know, when, when the game was originally created as opposed to now, uh, everyone's faster. Everybody can throw the ball harder just like, and the distance hasn't changed for anyone. So I, I do think reducing the distance by what it was six inches on each side, essentially, essentially, um, is going to make players more likely to be safe. It'll make it'll turn a bang bang play into a safe play. Um, I also think that there's an added benefit of making the target larger, um, like the thing that you're aiming for when you're go like you have more area to defend as a tagger and you have more area to grab onto or to stay safe on as a runner. And I think irrelevant to the uh, or, or less uh, t- speaking outside of the distance decrease that is happening with this change. I think that inherently will make this stealing bases a little bit easier. And I think like yeah. all this with the guiding light principle that stolen bases are good. I want to watch those. Those are fun. Seeing a catcher yeah. pop up and throw down. That's entertaining. Seeing a successful steal. That's entertaining. Um, so I'm all on board with that. And yeah, the safety aspect, I think I agree with you. Honestly, if MLB wanted to do like what they have in softball, like at your local high school or whatever, where they have the big first base that the, uh, first baseman uses. And then like the orange one, that's kind of off to the side in, um, 
in foul ground there as the one that the runner hits so that they there's no chance of or a less likely chance of them getting their feet tangled up. I would have no problem with that either. I would like yeah. to see actually that little orange one that's off to the side, a green light goes off or something when you hit it so that we can have the timing of the catch even make a little bit more sense. Like I, I have no problems with those types of changes. Go for it. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but I, I really believe that at some point in the future, all of this is going to be uh, be able to be automated where there'll be sensors in the ball, sensors in the glove, sensors in the cleat and sensors in the bag. And we'll be able to know um, like to the second, did the ball hit the glove before the cleat hit the bag or yeah. or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of separate from what you're saying, but like, I think that that's where eventually the game will go. Um, and I think that's really interesting and would yeah. be nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm generally for safety improvements. I, like, I'm not one of those guys like, Oh, it's the, the games, the been the game. And like, they yeah. should mangle each other's hands. <laughs> you know, like the people who think the safety nets for foul territory should come down. I'm like, why? So a small child can get obliterated by a hundred mile an hour yeah. ball coming out of off a bat. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, generally supportive of big bags. Um, one thing I, they still haven't really addressed that I would like for them to address, uh, related to bags is the, um, I think there's been an unintended consequence of replay where guys who are stealing second will like steal second pop up or briefly, leave the bag because yeah. of momentum and because the person is still holding the glove on them they get called out because there is suddenly like a quarter inch of air between them and the bag yeah and i don't know i mean i could see the argument of why because they're off the bag and the, they're being touched by the ball so they're out but i think that like it was never really meant to be that way where if you are if there's just a, a quarter inch of daylight in between, you know, you can be tagged out. Um, like the human eye can't perceive that. And like, I think it's an overcorrection. So yeah. I've seen some theories of like the, the idea is like the bag extends indefinitely upwards. So like if you slide past the bag, of course, whatever, you yeah. know, or you you're too far to the right, too far to the left or whatever. I'm not saying if you're like within a half inch like that used to be, but it's like when you're above the bag and you can get out, like, I think that doesn't feel right. So I like the idea of them. Like the thought is that if you're above the bag, you're on it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I have um, no problem with that. And like when you're talking about the entertainment factor, it's like I am never going to get gassed up for, oh, that guy's hand slightly reached or popped off or his belt yeah. wasn't touching the back. Yeah, no, I I think it just never feels be. fun. I mean, of course, if you're on the other, your your emotions are usually dictated by which side of the decision you're on. It, but looking at it like, you know, objectively, I think it. it but even it, then, it's it, more of like a gotcha. You don't really yeah, feel like yeah. you, you did something. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's almost like getting a technicality. So, right. Um, let's go on to, uh, let's talk about the pitch clock next. Okay. Um, how do you feel about the pitch clock? I think the pitch clock is great. Um, I, I've been wanting this for a while. We've seen how it's reduced game times in, um, in the minor leagues, uh, which is reduced by like 25 minutes to 30 minutes on average could yeah. not be more for this. I do not. I, I think the whole thing about, like Gio, uh, Giovanni uh, Gallegos, he's a he's a big 
you know, uh, rule breaker here. I think he's got like 26 seconds between pitches or something like that. Um, he's one of the highest in the league. It might even be higher than that, closer to 30. Um, but no, couldn't be more for this. There should move the game along. I do not like the standing around. I think it will actually, uh, increase not only like, will it shorten the time, but I think it'll increase the excitement in the moment because, you can't walk around and gather yourself. You just got to get back there and throw it again. If you're getting hit around, you got to keep pitching until you get taken out or, or you figure something else out. Like I think it, the idea of like a bunch of action happening and then the pitcher kind of walking around the mound or taking his time or doing this or doing that, that, that deflates a game a little bit. You should like, I really like the idea of just going, going, going. And I assume, or what I believe is that there should be some level of umpire discretion um, and I, I'm not sure exactly how this will play out, but let's say Albert Pujols hits his 700th home run. Do we really want to see the pitcher, you know, have to basically get it and go that quickly? I, I know yeah. there is some regulation where the timer doesn't start until the pitcher receives the ball. So maybe in a situation like, like that, either the umpire would like, like I said, use use his discretion or hold on to the ball until, you know the the moment has passed there there should be some yeah. still human element paying attention to the situation and what's going on i but suspect it'll that, be yeah yeah i i think they'll be able to do the thing where like you know the umpire comes out and like brushes off the plate like oh i've got to clean the home plate like, yeah yeah yep got to do that right now you know when they're clearly just giving time to right. the crowd or to the players or whatever yeah i i would assume so as well um yeah you know i i echo your sentiment i I think it's good. I think this is this will be a fundamental change to the experience of watching baseball for most people. And I think it's going to have an impact on pitching. And I think that overall, I think it's a good thing. I do. For all the reasons you said, you hope that the umpire has some discretion. I think I would be supportive of the idea of saying the pitch clock does not exist in the playoffs. Um, and maybe that would be too game breaking if you play 162 games with this like forced pace and then you can get into the playoffs and the whole thing slows down. But yeah. I, I kind of like that pace in the playoffs where, you know, like anyone who, if you're watching, you're engaged because it's a playoff game. You know, I think there's enough at, at stake in that game that even that pacing around like as a fan you kind of feel it too you know yeah um, except for when we get into the five hour playoff games yeah and i don't yeah. think that's good for anybody especially like i i think what i'd like to see is we're putting the best product out there on the highest stage so like that's fair yeah i i i, I am with you all like yes i could sit in those moments all night and i will be that person yeah. watching that game until 1 a.m and i'll have no problem with that but i do think i don't know many people outside of us so are, that's the thing like, I have let's to, go watch a five-hour yeah. game that's the thing i have to reckon with here and i think a lot of us if you're listening to this podcast you're probably in this same boat is that like these changes aren't for us yeah you know uh um, oh, they, they, mlb's already got us yeah they can yeah you know we're yeah. we're sucked in so i guess i just want i hope that we can maintain that like high drama of yeah like pitch selection and the like you know i don't know i just i like when the game really slows down in those key moments bases loaded da, 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 da. like i hope we can still get some of that but it, yeah. this is just going to be replaced with a new type of drama right like a higher right. paced faster drama so I, I could be 
I could, you know, after the, after next year's playoffs be like, right. Totally wrong. This was awesome. The pace, and, you know, and I also, I, I think it's individual on the pitcher batter combination. Like I think some batters will feel the pressure from this. And I think some pitchers will feel the pressure from this and it's going to kind of be an individual basis. Like you watch, you know, Goldie, he basically he'll pop one foot out of the box, reload and go like Goldie will yeah. be fine. But like we talked about Gallegos, you know, he's going to have to make an adjustment, but there are, you know, yeah. Remember Skip Schumacher doing his whole or the Harrison Bader routine in between pitches. Matt you know, Carpenter, you know, yeah. they there's a lot of guys like that. Yeah, because this is it's a two way street. It is. Uh, hitters have eight seconds to get back in the box. So yeah. uh, and giving up a strike for not being in the box on time is a pretty big. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty big uh, penalty. So, uh, OK, the, so the last one and this is the one that uh you know, considering yeah. our both answers, I think we're probably pretty aligned on this, the shift. So now there have to be two infielders on each side of second base and they have to have their feet in the dirt. Yeah. Uh, this, I get it. And I think that there's some, I, there was a, uh, I saw some like breakdowns of like what shifts will still be possible with the, yeah, these rules. Yeah. Um, and there are still a lot that you can do. You can still do bring your left fielder into center and your center fielder all the way over into right field. You know, you can still do things like that. Um, but it's a pretty fundamental change to what a lot of teams are doing right now. And, um, I have generally been very supportive of the shift. I think it's a natural evolution of the game and it's up to, uh, teams and, players to adjust to the newest evolution of the game and break shifts. And, you know, we were starting to kind of see that a little bit. And I don't think it's really up to the, to the rules committee to say like this version of the game is fundamentally wrong. Yeah. Um, which is what they're saying when they do that, you know? Uh, so I don't really like this change. I, I, as I said, I don't think it's, They've not gotten rid of the shift entirely, um, but it it is a it's a pretty big change. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I think I pretty much agree with what you said. And, and I'll say that I'm going to be unbelievably annoyed when X manager comes out and says, no, no, no. Tommy Edmonds foot is actually two inches too far to the left or right. You know, I'm challenging this often. Yeah. This defensive setup. That is going the first time that happens. The first 20 times that happens. Football bullshit. You yes. know, yeah. I'm going to be very annoyed yeah. by that. And then, yeah, I think like the idea of you have the information, you know, where Joey Gallo is most likely to hit this. And then you cannot defend around that in the way that you want to. I find that to be very stupid. Um, I, I don't like that at all. Um, I also like, I think that you should be able to put. Uh, six guys in the outfield. I think you should be able to put as many guys in the infield as you, you should be able to put your players wherever you want in the situation you want. And there's a risk reward aspect to the way that you choose to go about your defensive alignment. Um, now to, to offer an opposing point just for the sake of conversation, I do think that there is something interesting about the way in which new shifts will be deployed. Um, if, managers decide that it is worth it. And like you're talking about, let's say if you're, uh, if you're opposing Matt Carpenter and you want to have your, uh, 
right fielder basically play that super deep second base, super short right field. Um, you can do that and, and you can basically have that person assume that role. And then what you have to do is kind of, you'll slide your center fielder over and you'll slide your left fielder over and you're kind of be having two roaming like left center, right center fielders. And the aspect about that, you know, talk about risk reward is that you are then making this choice that I'm going to defend against this, but you are opening up a lot of real estate in the outfield to then allow that hitter to make the adjustment that you're talking about right now. So I, I think that it does, it's a bit of a penalty on the shift, which maybe I could see that being an interesting, you know, extra meta within the new play. Like, okay, they are now doing this where Matt Carpenter, if he could just slap it into the outfield, he will very likely have a hit because there's, you know, the outfield coverage is so as long as he doesn't get too under that ball, that ball is probably going to be a base hit or, you know, whatever the situation might be. So I think that that is a potentially interesting aspect. Um, But again, I, I, I think really, I agree with what you're saying. Well, my question is, where does the, you know, where does the line go? If, if suddenly this creates new versions of a shift and you've got your left fielder all the way over it playing right field or whatever, are we suddenly now going to end up with, uh, you know, sections in the outfield where your left fielder can't go past this, you know, imaginary line and your right fielder can't go past this imaginary line. Like, you know, I don't, I, I, that would be troubling. I hate to play that game of like, where does this go? What's yeah. the line? Cause that's how people are going to be you, marrying frogs. Yeah, exactly. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> even like be close to emulating that mentality, but like, yeah. you know, I think of rules in a game are, are a little yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, that is one of my concerns, but yeah, I think, you know, everybody adjusts and this is, this will just be a new adjustment. Um, I, I, I've saw, seen another theory that this is going to create, um, like a uh, similar to football, like uh, so you have to start on the dirt, but once the pitch is thrown, you can move. So there might be some like movement on the swing, you know, where like the pitch is thrown and the guy was on the edge of the dirt and he's going to bolt backwards five steps and turn around as quickly as he can to like, I mean, to, you know, to be in that spot that he would have been able to be before, you know, I think like that could be wild, you know, I could see a, a scenario where let's let's put Matt Carpenter up there again and Tommy Edmonds playing shortstop and he kind of before the pitch is thrown when the guys in the windup he starts hitting his momentum he starts walking or running in the direction of more center behind second uh second base and by the time he gets there yeah. maybe you know maybe it's only uh 5 6 7 8 he's pretty fast you know maybe 10 steps or how, however far he gets over there but I think, I mean, there. See, when you yeah. say things like that, like that sounds interesting to me. Like I would have watched right. that and that would be, I'd love to see people try that out. There would obviously be players who would be really good at that. And some players who cannot do that at yeah. all, um, which, people you know, is, yeah, people are saying this, you know, will highlight uh, and part of the purpose is it's going to highlight really athletic infielders, which yeah. is what we want, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm thinking about like how a third baseman charges the plate when there's a bunt, you know, but imagine that sort of movement, but it's, from shortstop over to right field, like yeah. on a pitch. And will that be distracting to a, uh, to a hitter? Uh, you know, I don't yeah. know. Well, so, you'll, you'll, you'll practice this. You'll have plays, you'll have situations. It'll, it'll be yeah. interesting. Like, so th- there yeah. is, there, there is some light. Yeah. It, it won't, it, it won't necessarily be bad. I think I'm more like 
this is where I do get a little old timey with baseball yeah. where I'm like, you know, it's your, you can position how you want. Let's not yeah. where, you know, how do, where are we going to go with this? So, um, but yeah, you know, there, there and there's also athletes. like, there's still such a variance in the shifting. There are teams that shift pitch to pitch on every batter. There are teams that don't shift as often. It is based on their defensive alignment, their defensive personnel. Like, that is my problem with this is that it's still in like, I, I don't think it's broke the game in any route. I think that there is a whole meta and gameplay around the idea of shifting that is still interesting and, and yeah. watching like when you see a third baseman kind of when there's two strikes move his position. Like I, 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 I find that yeah. stuff pretty interesting, but again, well, you know, that's, we're the, fu- that's the fundamental. Yeah. yeah. That's the fundamental difference here. And that's the part that we're not, um, that we're like disagreeing with is that, the principle of this rule change is the idea that shifting is bad and we are of the mindset that shifting is good. So how can like, we're not going to be aligned on this rule change, you know, even if we can admit that it might just create new, interesting outcomes. So I guess we'll see. I mean, I ultimately, I think these changes are, are on balance. Good. So I like to see them trying to improve the game. Um, you know, I'm not like, Generally speaking, Manfred and Co. I've been like angry about everything they do all of the time, and these yeah. I think are net good and should be fun and interesting. So I'll take it, and uh, I, I I I am really looking forward to the pitch clock. I think I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. Slam dunk. I agree. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, any other uh, league rule change things you want to talk about? No, I am. Uh, I'm excited that these changes seem to actually be good because I've like the playoff and like you were kind of alluding to. I'm happy that real or uh, people who are are I don't I don't want to say real baseball fans because that's gatekeepy and lame, but people who yeah. love the game like we love the game I think can get behind these rule changes, and I think that uh, people who are uh, a little less involved will also enjoy them. So, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Well, we'll move into our final segment. Uh, and I got a new one here for you, Ben. So, uh, in honor of your upcoming nuptials, here we go. In the 1970s, the feminist movement adopted the slogan behind every great man, there's a great woman. Sometimes though, like you and I standing in front of a frail, weak man, there's a great woman. <laughs> uh, in baseball, that balance is often shifted as well. Some baseball players have married women more famous or more accomplished than themselves. Okay. Uh, that's right. They aren't singles. They are doubles. And sometimes those doubles are home runs. How, do you, how well do you know these power couples? We'll find out in a new game. I'm calling, Who Did They Marry? Uh, okay so here's the premise i have i'm going to name i want to point out before we even start this i i'm not like a a baseball wag like tracker or follower this is going to be really really rough but all right me neither so i've tried to make it um easier for you in that you're going to actually name the baseball player oh okay okay this is because I I thought that I, I originally uh, my nig- original premise for this game was going to call it name that wife. And it was going <laughs> to I was going to name the player. Then you had to name their famous wife. And I was like, sure. I couldn't do this. I I'm this is not the 
part of baseball or really anything that I follow. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to do something related to the wedding for 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 All this right. episode. No, that's so, good. That's good. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to name the uh, the per the 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 woman and a brief bit of their accomplishments, and then I'm going to give you a, a small hint about who the person is that they married. And I think okay. you might know a few of these that you don't realize that you know because there are some very famous couples uh, that are baseball players. So. And I'm extremely smart and um, you know just good at things. So right, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, we'll start it off. Mia Hamm. Oh, uh, two- uh, I already know this. All right. Well, two-time Olympic gold medalist yeah. and two-time FIFA Women's World Cup champion uh, was is married to this famous infielder who won the Rookie of the Year with the Red Sox. Nomar Garcia Para. There you go. Yeah. Hey, all look right. at that. You got one. Um, okay. Holly Berry, Academy Award-winning really? actress, is married to this slugging outfielder who won the Rookie of the Year with the Braves in 1990. He won the rookie of the year with the Braves. So I actually thought. You're sure it's the Braves? Yes. Rookie of the year with the Braves. Rookie of the... He's a slugger, he said. Mm-hmm. Slugging center field. It's not Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones isn't married to Holly Berry. And he is probably a little younger than that. Um. Is is she married to Deion Sanders? He was a Braves <laughs> outfielder around that time period, but I wouldn't say he's a slugger. Um, oh, I feel like I'm missing somebody who's very famous. Um, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't All know right. if I even really have a guess for the. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll just guess Andrew Jones because I at least know he's a slugging center fielder for the Braves. Uh, uh, David Justice. Really? They were married for four years. So, okay. Uh, not still married, but, um, so yeah, fun. they were, they were married. Am I stupid? I think of David Justice as a Yankee. Am I way off on that? So I did too. Um, and I guess it's just like the, but he only, he only played with the Yankees for like two years. Huh. Um, in my head, David Justice was a slugging first baseman for the Yankees. And then I huh. went and, you know, if you look him up, um, he's a brave. He spent, yeah. He spent the majority of his career with the Braves. I, right. know, I don't know. My memory of nineties baseball is, is not, not great. Yeah. So I was uh one year old when he had his first <laughs> full season. So I'll, I'll give myself a, a benefit of the doubt there. All right. These last, these last, those were actually the harder ones. I didn't, I didn't even know if you'd get me a ham. So these last okay. ones are pretty famous. So we'll okay. see. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Set me up for failure. Kate Upton, famous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. yep. Uh, that, that's that, you know, what a couple. <laughs> Power couple. Power couple. Um, I'm not sure who I would rather be. <laughs> I think it's obvious, Kate Upton. Um, <laughs> all right, Marilyn Monroe, famous actress, was married to this legendary center fielder for the New York Yankees. I didn't know they were actually married. I thought it was just like uh, fun and games. But uh, it's Joe DiMaggio, right? 
Yes. Maybe they weren't married. I thought they were, but um, yeah, but they were together. So yeah, I've seen the photos. There's like a, <laughs> there's like a great photo of them out at a bar, like laughing with one of the Kennedy brothers or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think my timing is way off on that, but you, you get it. Um, no, I mean, Marilyn Monroe and the Kennedys is a, uh, is a whole thing also. So, uh, but as a baseball player, you know, it was earlier. Yeah, uh, sure, sure, sure. You know, he was in the forties, but, um, are yeah, you going to see so. blonde? Uh, yeah, I think so. Sure. Uh, why not? It sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Finally, Jennifer Lopez, JLo, <laughs> famous singer, actress, dancer, mm. Uh, who was she with? A, a, a controversial third wow. baseman who yeah, won three MVP with the Yankees. <laughs> Mr. 696 himself. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. Well, that one, that one was of, too easy. This one is sort of a trick question now because uh, they were also never actually married. They were engaged and oh, then they I'm broke aware, it off yes. before they got before they got married and JLo's so. back with Ben now. And it's a whole yeah. thing. Don't even get me started. That's a new, that'll be a new segment on the show. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking hot goss over here. Every, yeah. every Thursday. <laughs> we know it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was it. That's the five. That oh, I had. look at so. that. Hey, I didn't do so bad. You Man, got David uh, Justice. I'm sorry. I really yeah, you really, got four. You got four out of five. Um, if yeah. you had failed this game, you were going to have to call off the wedding. So I think you wow. uh, <laughs> you um, were successful. So all right. Um, yeah, good job. I guess. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that'll conclude this version of Who Did They Marry? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wow. So uh, that'll also conclude this episode. So uh, thank you all for listening. As always, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, shout out to our patrons. And uh, Ben, good luck this weekend. We're yeah. all counting on you. And, hope I don't uh, trip. Uh, I kind of hope you do. Um, yeah. that'll be fun. My suit. That'll be, that'll be fun for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. And until then, uh, go Albert Pools and go Cardinals. Okay, thank you. Bye.